Welcome to the September 10th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-8, through 8, and the sermon is entitled, Building Upon the Stone, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. Take your Bibles, go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter number 2. We have finished the first chapter and we begin the second chapter today. We are talking on our series, or in our series, on looking at the joy along our journey. And sometimes in order to look ahead, we've got to look back. And last week we talked about some important things, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. But there's a verse that we're going to get to in a couple of weeks that I want to start this sermon out with today. And it comes from 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse number 25. Here's that verse. It says this, For ye were as sheep, going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your soul. Today, as we gather as the people of God, it's amazing that p- different people are going different directions. Some, are th- some of us in this room are walking step in step, stride for stride with Jesus Christ, our Savior. Some of us know the Lord, but we're not headed in the same direction. And there are some, possibly even in this room today, that have gone astray. But here's the hope of the gospel. Jesus Christ loves you. And He will restore you if you will come to Him. When we think of that verse and we think of a congregation and people that are trying to walk with Jesus, the reality of it is this. We are all one step from a misstep. We are all one choice from the wrong choice. And we are all one decision away from losing and leaving the will of God for our lives. And so today, I believe that we must take and go back to the foundation that is Jesus Christ. We're going we're to look at a very, very simple idea today in building on the stone, upon the stone. But in doing that, we've got to enter the construction zone. And so today, when we think about building on Jesus Christ and what that looks like for each one of us, today we must approach it with the truth that is God's Word. We must enter slowly. We must be prepared. And here is the kicker. You must be willing for Jesus to change you. If you enter this sanctuary today with the mindset, I'm okay and everything's all right and I'm just fine the way I am, you have entered the wrong zone. Every day I come to church, I come to church and pray this, Jesus, make me more like you because I'm nowhere near that. I'm nowhere perfect. I'm far from that. So today... And as we think about building upon the stone, I am one that likes to plan ahead. I like to have my ducks in a row. But I seen this meme the other day that said, I don't have anything in a row. The ducks ain't even in the same room. They far from being in a row. But when I have a project, I want all all the stuff there, everything lined up, so when I start, I can finish it. Now, rarely do my plans pan out the way that I want them to because I forgot something along the way. But today, if you don't start 
building in the right place, it will not turn out right no matter what. With that, let's go to 1 Peter chapter number 2. We're going to look at the first eight verses today. 1 Peter chapter number 2, verses 1 through 3. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so, be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Point number one today about building on the stone is this. Every one of us needs to grow. Every person in this room needs to grow. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what defense that you want to get me. Maybe you've been there and done that. Maybe you've seen it all. But here's what I want you to know. If you ever think that you've gotten good enough that you can't get better in following Jesus, you're wrong. I'm wrong. We're never too perfect. We're never in the perfect place or the right place that we can't become more Christ-like. Remember who Peter is writing to here. He is writing to a people who are dispersed and who are being persecuted because of their faith. When is the last time that you were persecuted for your faith? For some of you, it may have been this week, but my guess here in America, it's been a while since you had to defend Jesus and your life would be on the line. We don't know what this is talking about. We don't know what persecution is. We don't know being pushed from hometowns and being pushed away from your families because you love Jesus. All we know is, hey, Sunday morning, church is in session, 11 o'clock, be there, and I love Jesus. Today, when we think about persecution, that's an area across the world that Christians are truly fighting for their life. Just this week in prayer meeting, we prayed for a group of people in a select country that were meeting together 70 to 75 for the first time, and their lives were on the line. And yet today we gather by the hundreds and there's nothing. Chapter number two reaches back with the word wherefore. As a result, that's what that word means, as a result. As a result of what? It's reaching back to chapter number one. And you remember from last week that we talked about how important the word of the Lord is and how important what Christ has done. Maybe you remember uh, chapter 1 verse number 19 that says, But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's what redeemed every single Christian in this room and that is watching live stream today. It's nothing that we have done. It's what Jesus Christ has already done for every single one of us. But here's what Peter says. Wherefore, as a result, there's some things, because Jesus is your Savior, that you have to lay aside. Are you ready for this list? 
Here's what I want to go through before I go through the list. There's a word that's used in this verse three times. It's a three-letter word, and that word is all. And it refers to all five things. You've got to lay down all of these things, Peter says. Are you ready in order to follow the Lord more closely and grow? What do you have to lay? Look at verse, uh, verse number 1 of chapter 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile and hypocrisy and envies, and all evil speakings. I've told you this before. All means all, and that's all all means, right? So all means everything. You can't pick and choose what you want to let go. Here's what Peter is saying. In order to grow in Christ, there are some things that you must lay down in their entirety and walk away from. The first one is malice, wickedness, the desire to do harm. Maybe the word malicious means something to you. Maybe you know that word as somebody is charged with a crime, malicious wounding. It carries with it an intent to do harm. So we got to lay, lay down the maliciousness, the desire to do harm to other people. You've got to lay down all guile. What does that mean? It means this. It means deceit. It means intentionally trying to mislead. So we've got to lay that down. We've got to lay down hypocrisy. Trying to be something that you're not. And then we've got to lay down envy or jealousy. And we've got to lay down all evil speaking. Slander. Defamation of character. Those sort of things fall under that umbrella. And so you may sit here today and say, okay, I don't do any of that. I'm good. Pat on the back. Let's go. But if we look carefully, there are times if we look at the intent of our heart, even Christians get the label of a hypocrite. How do you need to grow? Sometimes growing is laying something down. There are sins that we deal with, that we continue to deal with, and we lay them down and we pick them back up, and we lay them down and we pick them back up, and we wonder why somebody would even consider us a hypocrite. Because we keep picking these things up. Peter says to get rid of them all. Look at verse number 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. I told you this story before too. But if in my success as a pastor it will be related to my success as a youth pastor. If I can get Christians to simply do two things. If I can get you every day of your life as a Christian to read your Bible and pray. I will be a successful pastor. And yet Peter has to remind believers. You must desire the word of God. Verse number two. As we long for something Better. Remember, you're laying down all of these things. Your human body is going to want something. And so Peter says, when you want something, desire the word. How should you desire the word of God? Peter says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow by. Just like a baby cries for a bottle. This morning, there should be Christians inside crying. For the word of God to make an impact on their life. 
You and I need to desire. We must have it because from that is what we grow. We just don't grow up. You may grow in years. You may grow in height. You may grow in so many areas. But in order to grow as a Christian, it must include the Word of God. Without the Word of God, you will not grow. Now, I'm not just talking to teenagers or young people in this room. I'm talking to all of us. Even adults, mature Christians, need the Word of God in their life. And so today I ask you, how much do you desire it? You expect me to preach the Word of God. I expect you to read it. It's a two-way street. Don't let me be the only Bible that you get all week because you will not grow very fast. Friends, we must desire the Word in order to grow. And look at verse number 3. If so, be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, I could open this pulpit for testimony time. How many of you in this room have tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Amen? Amen. We've tasted and we know that he's good. And Peter is right into these Christians saying, you've tasted it. You know that he's good and you need to want more of him through his word today. We can all raise our hand and say, we tasted God. But how many, and I'll be the first, how many of us need to raise our hand and say, I need to grow in that word. I need to grow in my faith. I desire to do that. And put yourself in the places to do that. You may have to lay some things down in order to do that. It's okay. Because God will make you stronger. Point number two today. Look at verses four and five. To whom coming as unto a living stone. Disallowed indeed of men but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Point number two today. And when we talk about building upon the stone. Point number two is this. You are a spiritual house. You are a spiritual house. In the gospel of John chapter 4 verse 10. Jesus is spoken of as the living water. You may know that scripture. In John chapter 6 verse 51, he is referred to as the living bread. But Peter uses the same word here, living, but he includes the word stone. Is a stone alive? How can a stone be a living stone? When we think of this word that is used here, it is also used in the book of Acts chapter number Four, as Peter begins to preach, and he says in Acts 4, 11, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Psalm 118, verse 22, it says it's the stone that the builders rejected. How does a stone become living? How does a stone become precious How does someone become chosen by God? 
as this living stone that is God Almighty. This is where we build from. And it has to be that point. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But Jesus Christ must be the living stone in which you build from. How many of you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? How many of you know that he was buried in a tomb for three days? But on the third day, he rose and he is alive this day. Jesus Christ is a living stone. And because we are connected to him, we are to be living or lively stones as well. Look at verse number 5. This is speaking to believers. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. You are a living stone. No, I'm not throwing shade, but here's the problem. Sometimes when people see Jeffrey, they don't see a living stone. They see a stone that probably deserves to be at the bottom of a lake and nobody ever deal with it again. Christians today, you and I cannot be those stones that are separated, that are distanced. We must be living because we are connected to a living Savior, Jesus Christ. A living stone is an important piece of so many things. But think of building now. When you put a stone in place, you must build off another, and you must build off another. Today, I see hundreds of living stones in Clifford, Virginia. What can God do with hundreds of people that are committed to Him? He can change the world. It is my belief that if He changed the world with 12, He can change the world with a few more than 12. If we are living stones. He commands us to be lively, to be living, to be a part of the church, to intimidate, or excuse me, imitate him, and to build upon what he has done for us. We must be a people that are alive, but we must be a people who are unified as well. He also says in verse number 5, not only are you built up as a a living stone, but a spiritual house. Now, individually, that is true. If you are a believer in Christ today, the Holy Spirit lives right here. You are a spiritual house. You are a spiritual home for the Holy Spirit. And there are so many people that desire the Holy Spirit to work. If you are a Christian, He should be working through you. Because the Holy Spirit is here. But what happens when the living stones of a living Savior come together? They represent a spiritual house. Today, as the believers, we gather together and we are a spiritual house together. A place for the Holy Spirit to reside. Certainly we know that. But also look at verse number 5 again. He says a holy priesthood. This morning I taught the new, new beginners class. Or the Clifford Connections class. And we went over what it means to be a priesthood of the believer. What that means. It means this. All of us are gifted to serve the Lord. And we need to be doing that. So let me, let me back up a second. Why would Peter... Write to people who are fighting for their life to remind them, hey, 
God is precious and you are a living stone and you are a spiritual house and you are a priesthood and you need to offer spiritual sacrifices. Why is that important? Because they are in a, in a land, they are in an area where they are outnumbered and no one knows Jesus. But here's the great plan of God. God used this dispersion of these people, of these believers to take the gospel to the world. At 12 o'clock, that does not signify the end of worship. At 12 o'clock, we are dispersed to a world that needs Jesus Christ. And it is your job and it is my job as spiritual houses, as spiritual representatives of an almighty God to be that to a world that needs Jesus so desperately. Today, I want you to set your alarm at 12 o'clock. And when it goes off, let it be a reminder, I'm to be that spiritual house, that spiritual example in the community. The last thing in verse number 5 is a spiritual sacrifice. I thought the Old Testament, I thought sacrifice was over. Let me remind you from Romans chapter number 12. Paul writes, present your bodies a living, come on church, present your bodies a, what are the next two words? Living sacrifice. You are to be a living sacrifice, acceptable and holy unto God, which is your reasonable service. The priest, his job in the Old Testament was to lead the worship of an almighty God. And today as we lay down our lives before a holy Savior, you may lay down a lot of things. You may say, I lay down my material possessions or my giftings or, or whatever that I have, I lay it down before God. The greatest thing that you can give God and lay before Him today is your life. If you give Him your heart, if you give Him everything that you are, if you believe in Him as Savior, if you lay your life before Him, you become a living sacrifice. And you don't stay there. When the Lord saves you, you rise to your feet and you begin to be that living sacrifice for Him. Christians today, one of the greatest ways that we can grow is by laying our lives down before the Lord. Submitting to His will for our lives because we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual houses for Him. Look at verse number 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Now remember point number three is Christ needs to be the cornerstone. When you're building upon something, you've got to have a foundation. Right? The foundation is what matters to your house. If you build on sinking sand, the Bible tells us what's going to happen. It's going to disappear. The foundation matters. And this tells us that Christ needs to be that chief cornerstone or that foundation piece in which you build. Peter uses scripture from Isaiah chapter number 28 to remind the people of God that he must be the most important thing that they build upon. They have been taught throughout the generations that he is the chief cornerstone. 
It was the largest stone that was placed at the joining of two walls. As two walls came together, the cornerstone would join those two walls. And from there, all the measurements would be pulled as they built and they, and they created whatever they were building. I grew up with a machining background. And here's what I want you to know. I've seen hundreds of thousands of dollars of mistakes being made because somebody used the wrong drawing. I watched $700,000 go down the drain when someone used the wrong drawing. But today there are so many lives that are being lost because they're pulling from the wrong source. The wrong standard is there. Maybe the world is their standard. Maybe there's a, a, an athlete that, that, that is their hero. But because Jesus Christ is not in the picture, he is not the cornerstone, people are pulling from so many different places. Today, there's so much damage. Far more than $700,000 being done because lives are being lost People are dying and eternally being separated from Jesus in hell because he is not the chief cornerstone. Look at me, church family. The cornerstone of your house, the cornerstone of your home, the cornerstone of everything that you do must be pulled from Calvary, from Jesus Christ. From the price of a sinless man dying for a sin-filled world. It must be drawn from the standard that is Jesus Christ. And make no mistake about it. People are dying and going to hell because this is not the truth. Christ must be the cornerstone in your home. What are your kids pulling from? What are you pulling from? There's got to be a standard there. When we think about life's timeline, I don't know where you fall on that. I don't know where you fall. I got a call this morning. A funeral is on the way. Somebody passed away. Some of you may be closer and some of us don't know. I'm 40 years old. I don't know when my time is. But here's the reality, friends. If I'm not pulling from Jesus Christ every single day, Mistakes are being made. Mistakes are being made. Jesus is that one in our personal lives that we must draw from. He will not let you down. He must be the foundation in which you build. Don't build apart from Christ. He must be the cornerstone. Last point. Point number four today come, comes from verse 7 and 8. But it builds off verse number Six, unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed." Point number four, when building upon the stone, here's the reality, friends. Here's the reality, church. Here's the reality, Christians. Many will stumble. 
many will stumble. Peter reminds us in verse 6, or excuse me, verse 4, verse 6, and verse 7, that Jesus or this stone is precious. Now let me ask you a question. When's the last time you used that word? Here's what I want you to put in your mind. Peter, the guy that chopped off a guy's ear for trying to arrest Jesus, now describing him as precious. When's the last thing, time you used the word precious? I'm going to guess. It has to do with a baby or an animal. Those are things that are precious in our lives. Babies are precious. Animals, some of them are precious. But here's my question. Is Jesus precious to you? Is Jesus precious? And what that word that Peter uses, what it carries, it is a place of honor. It is a position of honor. And here's what I want you to think of. Where do you put the most precious valuables that you own? Don't tell me, all right? You put them in a safe or you put them in a safety deposit box. Some of you may walk around with the precious things on your hands and around your neck. I don't know. But we either hide them away or we display them for all to see. The most precious thing in your life. You either put on display for people to see or you hide them away. And so here's what I want you to do. You can do the exact same thing with Jesus today when you leave here. You can close your Bible. You can tuck him away. You can hide the most precious thing in the world away for for a week until you show back up next Sunday. Or when you leave out of here, you can put the word in your mouth and the meditation in your heart. And you can make the most precious thing in the world visible for others to hear about and to see. But here is the reality that Peter says. Not everybody is going to set Jesus up as the cornerstone in their life and pull from him. Jesus will be something that many trip over. And scripture warns us about that. Isaiah says this. That some will reject the stone. I sit here today as a pastor, as a Christian, as a believer and say, how can you reject Jesus? But listen to this word. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by men. John chapter 1 verse 11, John writes, he came to his own and his own received him not. Jesus says in John chapter number 12, That many will reject and not receive their word. And if they do that, they will receive the judge of him. Here's what I want you to know. In the end of verse number 8, it's easily to skim over. I want you to look there. It says this, even a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, Being disobedient. Listen to these words. Whereunto also they were appointed. Here's what that little, uh, those words mean. God knew. God knew that there would be people that would accept him. And God knew that there are going to be people that reject him or that stumble 
and will not accept Him as Savior. Here is the reality of today in 2023. The world will either do one or two things with Jesus Christ. It will either accept Him and receive Him as Savior, or it will stumble and reject. But here's also the reality. In a church service every Sunday morning, there are people in the room that reject the Savior. Today, I close this sermon with a simple question. Who is Jesus to you? As you build your life, as you build your career, as you build your family, as you build what you are trying to build, what are you building on? Are you building on the chief cornerstone that is Jesus? Is he that living cornerstone in your life? Is he in the right spot, in the place that you can pull off of him and make decisions and lead the family? Is he precious? Is he honorable? Is he being displayed and talked about for others to hear? Or is he being tucked away for no one to know about? Today, the Bible's real clear That if we lay aside the things that we should not be clinging to, the sins, and cling to Jesus, that we will grow in Him. Today I may be looking and talking to someone that needs to grow in the Lord. Here's the word of the Lord today. Put down the things of the world and pick up Jesus. Allow Him to be the cornerstone. Christian today... Allow him to be that one that you draw from. Maybe you're here today and for some reason you have stumbled over Jesus. You've been disobedient. That's the word the Bible uses. Not me. You've been disobedient to his word. Maybe Jesus is not in the correct place of your life. Maybe today you just need to go back to the foundation and set the cornerstone in its position and pull from there. Today, if you have strayed, as uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2.25, as you are sheep going astray, here's the call. Come back to the foundation of your faith. Come back to Jesus Christ. Set Him as the cornerstone of your life and build from there. God can make it right again. God will change you. God can make those things right in His eyes. He is a forgiving Savior. Praise the Lord. But maybe today you've tripped. And you tripped. And you tripped. And maybe it's something in your thinking. Something in your logic. Something in your learning. Maybe it's something in the Word of God that you've tripped over and you totally don't understand how you can go from this to this because of Jesus. Maybe it's something that's causing you to stumble. And every time you come to church, you stumble. And every time you try to approach Jesus, you stumble. And and every time you do that, you stumble. Yet you've never claimed Him as Savior because you've fallen so many times. Jesus was not set to stumble over. He was set that many will draw from. Today, if you have never accepted Him as Savior, look to Jesus. 
Look to Jesus. Don't look at the times that you have fallen or times that things have failed or times that things have not worked out right. Unanswered prayers that you, God is, you think God has never heard. People stumble over those things. And that's what keeps them from coming to Him. Please hear these words today. And they're not my words. They're that of a God who loves you. The cross was not meant for you to stumble over. The cross was meant that you could see a Savior who loved you so much. And that you could recognize your sin was so deep that He paid that price of death and eternal separation for you. Quit stumbling over Jesus. Quit stumbling over the cross. And maybe today the call is to simply come and bow before Him and say, God, I'm tired of falling. I will trust you with my life as Savior of my life. Today, will you stumble in His arms? Because those outstretched arms wait for you. And forgiveness and love, because that's who our Savior is. Today, whatever Jesus is to you, He's either Savior or stumbling block. May we be people that show that outside these doors. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, today, in a moment of invitation, God, we pray your Holy Spirit takes over right now. A moment, Lord, where you draw people to yourself. God, I pray, Lord, that you will do the work right now. Walk the aisles. Walk on the doors of the hearts. Lord, there's one here that needs you as Savior. God, I pray they leave here. Not stumbling over the Savior again, but simply trusting in His loving arms. God, thank you for that one that needs you. God, I pray for the courage to stand and come. Bow before Him and receive Him today. Lord, today, maybe there's Christians in the room who are convicted by the Word of God to simply come and bow down at an altar and say, God, help me to lay down all the things I need to and trust you even more. Help me to grow in your Word. Help me to desire it more. God, today, maybe you will lead that Christian closer to you. Lord, today, for every one of us, it is a call to action that we are under construction. We need to live our lives in a way that shows the Savior to a world. God, help us in this moment of invitation. Lord, that as you lead us, that we will always faithfully follow you and draw from you our chief cornerstone in all that we do at Clifford Baptist Church. Thank you for your love and your mercy and grace, which covers a multitude of sin. God, we lay that truth before you now as we come. In Jesus' name, amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.